Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Just like that, the final hour is here. OutKick 360 across the OutKick network. We've been watching the video of Aaron Donald swinging a helmet at a Bengals player, but it's impossible yet to find out what was going on because there's so many players in this brawl between the two teams. They fought so much and it ended with this, they just canceled the rest of practice. How far into practice was it, I wonder? That's a, that's a good question, I don't know. I'm always reminded. if they got work done or if they didn't get any work done. Whenever I hear of a brawl or any type of fight or altercation ending a practice was my uh, freshman basketball coach, Kip Etherly. There was one, like, shoving match at the end of a just a very fun scrimmage day on a Sunday. And I remember <laughs> walking over to the scoreboard that was plugged in. We were keeping score. I said, all right, well, can't even have any fun here. That's over. Rips the scoreboard out, puts the scoreboard deal under his walk straight out of practice. Get out of here, all of you. Leave. Now, can't even have a fun day I thought without he was you gonna, guys fighting. I thought he was going to send you over to the to the women's layup. Uh, I remember he uh, took me and Vester McFarland, the other captain, aside and said, you fix it. You handle it <laughs> with the team. And he got in his – Locker room justice. He got in his Nissan Altima, and he drove home Vester? at that point. Vester? Vester. What's up with Vester? With a V. Vester's a good man. Still lives in the area. I still communicate with Vester. You still get things handled like with Vester? I name. Vester's a good guy. Get a handle. You know what? You, you need it. things handled. You just go to chat and Vester. They came to the two. Uh, we were, we were freshman, freshman team captains, the two of us. And he said, you guys fix it. The, these, fix two, it. these two can't get along and can't practice without getting into a fist fight. So you guys handle it now. How did you handle it? Prison justice. <laughs> shanks. I ordered, I ordered a code red. A man um, with shanks. Yes. Uh, we, we got Here's a bunch a toothbrush of, and a pocket knife. We got a bunch of soda cans and put it in a pillowcase like the movie Bad Boys with Sean Penn and just went to ten- – no. No, we didn't do that at all. Shiv. I think we just set everybody down and said, you know, can we not, play? not just get through a playful scrimmage without fighting each other? And the answer to that was no. No, no. no we can't. Oh, we can't. We hate each other. Weren't you at a church league game a couple years back and uh, Ron Slay or someone got into a fight or tried to fight him? Ron Slay, uh, the, the way to describe it, he was like a, it looked like a WWE move. He like chest bumped a small guy who, who, who he thought was trying to cut out his legs on a dunk attempt. Okay. And it was late in a close game, and he got mad at this guy for a foul, and he just – it was like a heat-sinking missile. Just started running right at the guy. And, I mean, this dude looked like the train was coming. He was on the tracks. He saw it. His eyes got as big as hula hoops. And saw. And Ron Slade just jumped and, like, threw his entire torso at him. And he went flying across the gym court. And they just called the game. I'm pretty sure that, like, they didn't even do technical. Ball game. It's like, all right, we're all going home. It was a similar thing. I think the lady who ran the – Mount Druid Rec Center just came in and started turning the lights out. <laughs> All right, this was the 7.30 game. We're already we're ending it early. Lights out. And it started locking up, you know, holding the one door open for us to leave because she was locking up. Yeah, that was that was something. 
Our SEC spotlight continues today with the Arkansas Razorbacks. It was a banner year for Arkansas last season. K.J. Jefferson, over 2,600 passing yards and nearly 700 yards rushing. And they had as many conference wins as they did in the four previous seasons prior. They had four conference wins last year. Can Jefferson eclipse 3,000 yards passing and 700 yards rushing? Meaning, can he take it up another 100 yards, roughly, in each category and take over the SEC West? And if so, I think if you believe that, you're taking the over three and a half conference wins in 2022, aren't you? I think in posing this question. To answer that question, my answer is no. And the biggest reason is Traylon Burks may be the biggest loss from any team across the SEC because of what he meant for that offense with the big playability. K.J. Jefferson is a terrific and dynamic quarterback, both running and throwing. But I just don't see Arkansas with anywhere near the same big play threat through the air without Traylon Burks. For that reason... I think Arkansas takes a step back this year. I think it's still a a very solid – it's a program on solid footing under Sam Pittman. They have an identity. They know who they are. They're going to be good. But when you look at that schedule and you have two non-conference games against top 25 Cincinnati to open the season, and in a weird scheduling deal, they go to BYU in Provo, Provo, Utah, in mid-October, on October 15th. They could have two non-conference losses this year. That's not to speak of opening with your first three out of four games in conference against A&M, Alabama, and at Mississippi yeah, State. You want to talk about a big swing game? At Mississippi State is a huge swing game. You want to talk about one that could set this Arkansas season up for disaster? Lose to South Carolina and Spencer Rattler in week two after losing to Cincinnati. That's not out of the realm of possibility. This team could conceivably be 0-2 two weeks into the season with a win over Missouri State coming up, but then games over A&M, against A&M and Alabama. I think they're good guys. I think K.J. Jefferson is one of the top three or four for sure in the conference at quarterback. I really think Traylon Burks may be the biggest loss offensively for anyone in the SEC. I think generally we've been too high on almost everybody that had a good year last year, and it's not going to happen for everybody, right? Somebody is going to come back. But if you're asking me three and a half in the conference, I mean, I would think they beat South Carolina, Auburn, Missouri, and one of Ole Miss or Mississippi State. So I don't think it's that tough of a number, though I think they're going to come back overall a a little bit. But I'd go over because I think they beat either Ole Miss or Mississippi State, and I'm giving them those other three. So without Traylon Burks... I do agree. That's a massive Who is there? Like Sam Pittman admitted at SEC Media Days that the wide receivers are a a question mark going into the season because he wants to see more consistency. But also, like, Jefferson, if they needed a play, he put it... In, in Burks' hands some way. He would, they would force-feed Traylon Burks, and, and Burks made a ton of plays for, for Arkansas's offense. They had an SEC best 227 uh, rushing yards per game, and they averaged 200-plus passing yards per game. The, the one area where 31 I think... 31 points a game. Yeah. The, the one area where I think... And that's rough, 31, I mean, that, that's roughly what a lot of teams have been doing. You know, like... It's a nice number, though. Yeah, and... 
who was it that we they were? Oh, it was uh, Mike Leach. Uh, Mississippi State averaged 29 points per game, good for eighth in the SEC in scoring. So Arkansas was putting up some points. They went toe-to-toe with Alabama. That was a great game, great matchup. The thing that I would – the reason why I'm taking the over three-and-a-half conference wins is because of Sam Pittman and their identity. I think it fits the SEC perfectly, and this is a team that knows who they are and what they're about. Meanwhile, I think you have some other teams, game in, game out. You've got an Ole Miss last year where they're going for it on fourth down in the first quarter, and by halftime against Alabama, they're out of it. Meanwhile, Arkansas, they just stay with what they know and who they are, and it's you know Sam Pittman-led. I, I trust that. I don't know if Jefferson take. I, I wouldn't take the over in both categories. Um, however, and if, if, you, if I had to pick one, I would take the under on that number for passing yards because we don't know what they they have right now with Burks not there. So I, I think it's a solid season. I think they finished third in the West, and I think we we continue to see the great climb that Sam Pittman's done in two years now, twelve and eleven overall. But again, we're pointing to last year where they had the considerable turnaround with their record in conference. Well, and what he took over was bad. Yeah. I mean, Arkansas was clearly the seventh team in the SEC West, and he immediately got them to respectability. He's done one of the best coaching jobs in the country uh, from a, in a short time to where they're, they're very good. By the way, Jaden Hazelwood is the guy that needs to be Traylon Burks-like. He's the transfer from Oklahoma. Uh, 39 receptions, 399 yards, six touchdowns. Not great, and he's not Traylon Burks, but if you're looking for a candidate to step up and have a bigger role with Arkansas this year, it's the transfer who's immediately eligible and will immediately start for Arkansas this year from, from Oklahoma. Jefferson, a factor in this, the stat that I found on them that I found remarkable, tackled for a loss seven or more times in eight games last mm. year. They need to shore that up. That's a drive killer, right? You get tackled for a loss and odds are that series is going nowhere. They need to shore that up. Jefferson needs to get caught behind the line of scrimmage less often, and the offensive line needs to do better there. They're returning four or five starters on their offensive line, and they return all three of their solid tailbacks from a year ago. So that, that area should be, should be really good and something you can count on game in, game out. Um, but they... Can you're, you're right. Can they have that one player that steps forward and is the go-to guy in crunch time? It's some big moments for them. There's just no, in the, in the West, I mean, it, it, probably hear this too much, with, but it's just so true. There's no off week in that division. I mean, Auburn's the closest you're going to get to one, but even Auburn's got a lot of talent. They've got a lot of uncertainty with their head coach and everything that happened, but they got a ton of talent. In the SEC East, it's getting to be more and more that way. Because we don't really know about Missouri and what Luther Burton's going to bring to the table to help their passing game, who is the best recruit they've ever they've ever got at Missouri. Five-star receiver who's got his own potato chip line already from Missouri. Um, so Missouri could be better. Vanderbilt's your bye week in the East. You still have that yeah. if you're in the SEC East, where at least one division opponent, I mean, all due respect to what Clark Lee's trying to accomplish, you're putting a big W in Sharpie when you play Vandy on the schedule right now in the East, Missouri's a, a bit of that also, but Missouri found a way to go to three and five a year ago in conference. So that's no gimme for anyone. So I think it's getting closer to both divisions being that way where there's no off week with the quality of depth top to bottom. We're seeing that in the SEC 
from teams two to five in the SEC or the SEC East and SEC West. There's no big drop off. I mean, pick one of those teams from A and M on down to Auburn, and I'm not gonna. It's not going to mystify me if Auburn beats A and M this year, for instance. There's no big surprises as to who's going to win those games against each other. Who will Nebraska fans and um, I, I guess the athletic department be paying attention to outside of their own team the most, Chad? Adrian Martinez. Adrian Martinez statistically holds, I think, five or six career records for Nebraska football. Great, great history of Nebraska football. Four-year starter, yards, rushing yards, uh, passing yards, touchdown. I mean, he. it's amazing to see his productivity from a statistical standpoint, but the lack of productivity from wins Clutch finishing. for Nebraska. Always seemingly made the play that lost the game when it was tied Nebraska was up one, you know, up a possession, down a possession late in the game. Bad interception problems, bad fumble problems throughout his time in Nebraska to the point where, and this is probably unfair for a kid who played through a broken jaw last year at times, and his family, by the way, was very upset with the decision of Scott Frost to basically, in in defense of the kid, admit that while they still had games left because they wanted to keep it a secret. So people weren't targeting his jaw yeah. in games. But he got tired of questions about Adrian Martinez and said, look, the kid's playing with a broken jaw. Lighten up. Um, that goes back to Scott Frost not finding a better replacement, playing the kid with that injury. Whatever it is, you can point to that and say, look, Nebraska was close even though they were 3-9, and nine, and it really just falls on the quarterback. If you're the most optimistic of Nebraska fans, that's going to be your argument in defense of Scott Frost. But Kansas State, who is a very well-run program under Chris Kleiman, who came from North Dakota State, they went in and said, Adrian Martinez is a heck of a quarterback. He's going to be the starter for a Kansas State program that's been more successful than Nebraska recently. So if I'm a Husker fan, I'm watching Adrian Martinez and not just his productivity with Kansas State, but... Does he have the ability to not make the crucial error for them? Because this is the referendum tour for Scott Frost. It starts in Dublin, Ireland on Saturday. Part of that referendum is if you're a Nebraska fan and you watch Adrian Martinez go to Kansas State and look like Mr. Clutch in the fourth quarter and win games for the Wildcats, that does not bode well for Scott Frost and his coaching staff. How, How quickly could it go south for them and for his job. I think if they lose Saturday, it's a, it's it's on its way out. It midseason. Scott Frost, their lone Big 10 win a year ago was a 56 to 7 win over Northwestern, who they play on Saturday. They are a two touchdown favorite against Northwestern. It's not going to get much easier in conference than that game. Have you seen this thing uh, about the Nebraska N in in Ireland? Novice novice drivers in Ireland have to have a red N on their car, like beginning drivers. And it is virtually the Nebraska N from their helmet. So Nebraska fans over there seeing this N all over the place, and it looks like they're a load of Nebraska fans. We're all here. Go Huskers. Yeah, all right. I know Ireland is such a big Apparently, they're just a lot of novice drivers. How did they select this game? For Dublin, I don't know. That, wasn't it uh, like a couple Navy, years back? Wasn't it going to be Notre Dame? Na- well, they did it. Notre they, Dame's Navy, been there. Notre Dame and Navy. But it, I thought it was going to be there before. every year. 
I, I don't I don't know not the case. I, I don't know how they decided on it. Uh, I, I can tell you this, writing a column for Outkick today and just looking at the website for the Ireland football classic, I think is what it's called. Okay. The Irish college football classic. Um, Nebraska has three official supporters bars in Dublin and Northwestern has one. <laughs> So that probably tells you about where the ticket purchases yeah. came from yeah. and what the stadium's going to look like. It's going to be dominated by red and not Northwestern purple. But uh, I, I found that funny that it was the official bar for Nebraska, the first official one, is called Busker's Bar. Busker's Bar for the Huskers. I have no idea what Busker's is in well, Dublin, Ireland. A busker but is a street musician. There you go. I had no idea. Busker's Bar, though, is the official Huskers Bar. In Dublin, Ireland. If you're, if you're looking for a great getaway last minute to go to a game. I'm yeah, guessing that the game sold out as quickly as any NFL game would sell out in Europe. I don't know. I, I'm assuming so uh, because of the way Nebraska fans travel. But we'll well, not, not just the fans traveling, but like locals. Like the Irish fans yeah, going. Like going to the game. Yeah. I'm sure it's going to be heavily All attended. the novice drivers are going, I heard. That's, yeah, <laughs> they're all there. <laughs> they're tailgating. I would love to be – that's just such a unique thing if you're a college football fan. But if you're a Nebraska fan or North, Northwestern fan, you get to go to that game. Watching your team play in Ireland would be pretty pretty unique for a college football fan. For sure. Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360 if you'd like to uh, weigh in on any of the topics today. Coming up, five reasons to be legitimately excited about Week Zero and the college football season kicking off this coming weekend. Chad's column at Outkick. We'll discuss it next on Outkick360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Glad you're with us. For your drive home or at the office, wherever you may be today, you can always follow us on social media at Outkick360 from 6th and Peabody in downtown Nashville with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Five legitimate reasons to get excited for kickoffs across college football this weekend, which they have tabbed week zero. We got into this yesterday. Just say it's the opening weekend. I think week zero cheapens it. You don't um, even need numbers in college yeah. football. Like, there's yeah. no, there, there's a need to be a week seven. If I said week seven was sometime in mid October, no, no one would care. They just know, give me the date, and you know when wh- who your team is playing around that time. You have in the NFL for organizational operational reasons, right, around the schedule yeah. and how you do things. It's just not warranted in college football. Chad, you uh, have a column at Outkick.com about this this very discussion. Um, let, let's roll through a few of these, and I'm, I'm sure it starts with uh, Nebraska. It does, yeah. I mean, that is the game of the week, 11.30 a.m. Central, 12.30 Eastern on Fox. Um, why is this game important? Well, it's important because it's Survivor Series right now for Scott Frost. I mean, it's every week feels like – a total analysis of his job at going into year five. 
He's 15 and 29 after four years as head coach at Nebraska. Obviously not going to get it done, but can they turn all of those close losses into a seven and five, eight and four type season this year? I think it's conceivable that happens with who he has in this roster. They got a great receiver coming over from LSU. Uh, they've got other good transfers coming in, including Casey Thompson, a quarterback for Nebraska, which we'll talk about. But ultimately, when you look at Nebraska Northwestern guys, it's not just Scott Frost. Pat Fitzgerald is in no trouble at Northwestern, but he is six and eighteen in his last two non-COVID seasons. They were seven and two in the COVID year and won the West. I'm not saying that doesn't count. Right. But that was a wild year in college football, wild year in sports, where you had some weird things take place, right? I'm not saying that's why they were good. But in the last two full seasons for Northwestern football, they are combined 6-18. and 18. You don't want to see that trend continue. He's in no trouble right now at his alma mater. He's done a great job there. But if they have another 3-9 and nine season, is he on the hot seat next year? Maybe. I mean, if this continues to go down that trend line of back-to-back three or four win seasons, that's not going to be good for Pat Fitzgerald Northwestern. So game's important for them also. Um, I just think it's a a, a nice way to start the the Big Ten season with these two teams. What can Casey Thompson do in the clutch? That's that's the big determining factor for Nebraska now because that was what hindered them at the quarterback spot going on a couple years. And now they've, they've made the change. And now there is hope that in, when the game is on the line, their quarterback's going to make a play. I didn't realize Casey Thompson uh, was the size that he – he's only 6 feet, 195 pounds. For some reason, they just looked bigger. Looked I thought taller. he was bigger at, at Texas yeah. than he is. He's also not running Scott Frost's offense, um, which that's the big head-scratcher with Frost at Nebraska. He's a guy known for fast pace, really good offenses where he's been from Oregon to his time at UCF. I don't see many inventive things going on offensively with Nebraska since Scott Frost got there. They bring in Mark Whipple, who was terrific at Pitt, turned Kenny Pickett into a passing highlight reel in his time there. If you're Casey Thompson, you're salivating, thinking about what Mark Whipple could do with you at Nebraska. So it's not just how good is Casey Thompson in winning time in a close game. That's a big part of it because that's why they replaced Adrian Martinez how quickly does Casey Thompson learn what Mark Whipple wants to do offensively, which is different than what Scott Frost wanted to do? And, oh, by the way, what Mark Whipple does is probably closer to what Steve Sarkeesian does, and that's where Casey Thompson just came from, was Steve Sarkeesian in Texas. So how does that work out? Wasn't all bad for Casey Thompson. He threw for over 2,000 yards and 24 touchdowns a year ago at Texas. Well, and Whipple just came from a program where, you know, Kenny Pickett and Pitt, they were slinging out all over the place. So I think I mean, in watching the the Pitt offense a year ago, Chad, this is a I'm, – I'm, I'm on board with that style for Nebraska's offense. Yeah, and that, look, that's what, you know, I was saying about if you're watching Kenny Pickett and you're Casey Thompson, then you, you're going to be very excited to go play in this offense for Nebraska under Mark Whipple. Northwestern quarterback-wise – um, the name Ryan Halinski probably rings a bell for SEC fans. Mm-hmm. He was a great story as a freshman at South Carolina. Northwestern started four different quarterbacks a year ago. They could do nothing offensively and kept searching for a quarterback. 
They've got three guys in line to play this year at the position. If they're going to be successful, they're starting Ryan Helensky in this game and they're not taking him out because he's doing well. And then he starts the next game. And then he starts four or five weeks after that. That's the key now for Northwestern is to find a guy and stick with him. We get Wyoming. We get the Cowboys in week zero as well, taking on the Illini. So Wyoming, good defensive program, um, not good offensively. And when I say not good, they had some big play potential a year ago. Isaiah Nayor, who's now out for the season with an injury for Texas, was maybe the biggest wide receiver transfer or one of them this past season. They lost offensive linemen. They lost a running back. They lost two quarterbacks. They lost receivers. The transfer portal has destroyed the Wyoming offense. Anyone with talent on their roster has gone to a bigger program. That's not good for Wyoming. They're going to have a hard time scoring. They weren't great at scoring even with those guys. Illinois, in this game against Wyoming, Barry Lunny Jr., Arkansas fans remember that name, former Arkansas quarterback, the guy who is presumed to be a future Arkansas offensive coordinator and head coach one day, he takes over to Illinois' offensive coordinator for Brett Bielema. They were atrocious passing the football a year ago. Everyone knows Brett Bielema wants to run the ball, and their offense is going to be run-based. they got to be better through the air. They're getting a, a Syracuse transfer by the name of Tommy DeVito, which, yes, is the most Syracuse quarterback yes. name ever. Yes, Tommy DeVito is from Jersey. That also should surprise Thomas. no one out there. But Tommy DeVito will be the quarterback for Illinois. They just, I mean, they're not going to be some 40 point per game team like that, but they got to do something through the air. And it starts against Wyoming. I would pound the under on this game, even though the, I think it's only 44 and a yeah, half. Under 13. Is the over under, but I, I would go, I would take the under in this matchup. I, I forbid you from being excited about that game. I know one? you're excited about the start of college football. Wyoming, Illinois is not a compelling game. It's a 10-point spread. 11 and a half game. what I'm looking at. Yeah, it was, it was 10. They probably, 10 read, my, they probably read my breakdown and then favored it by another Big 10 point network. and a half. Yeah, Chad moved the line Yep, with this column. Where is Vanderbilt and Hawaii on your list, Chad? Well, on my list, it's higher than most because we do the show out of Nashville, and I'm interested in the SEC and Vanderbilt. I, it's I at a fitting hour for Hutton. It's really big for Hutton because yeah, it's in his time game and watch Vanderbilt in Hawaii. It's in Hutton's golden hour. This yeah. is basically right. like when the sun goes down right. for Hutton at 9.30 Central Time. I'll get home for the fourth quarter maybe. Yeah. Yeah, it's nine, uh, 10.30 Eastern, 9.30. By the way, does Vandy, has Vandy set the record for most games by an SEC team on CBS Sports Network? I feel like every year they have two games on CBS Sports Network I didn't know SEC teams were allowed to play on CBS Sports Network until Vandy started appearing on there. They played Colorado State, I know, a year ago on CBS Sports yeah. Network. They always they find the loophole. I feel like maybe <laughs> I saw a Mississippi State La Tech game on that network at one point. I want to say the game that featured a fourth and 82 or whatever it was. Remember that yeah. play where yeah. it was snapped over the head? That was on CBS Sports Network. Well, if I'm at a hotel that doesn't have CBS Sports Network, they're going to be on it. If you find a hotel that has CBS Sports Network, God bless you. Because I don't know one that exists where you're going to find that game. So you need to be looking for that one online. Every once in a while. Um, Hawaii's opening a new stadium. I'm actually intrigued with the 9,000 fans to just see what it's like. It's like a Texas high school football game, right? Um, Timmy Chang takes over. They lost a lot 
off a six and seven team a year ago. Vandy should win this game. Yes. I mean, they're close to a double digit favorite. I think it's up to nine and a half now. Eight and a half is what is it I eight just and a half? Saw. Vandy should go on the road and win this game. I just don't know a lot about. I don't think anyone knows a lot about Hawaii because of all they lost. Well, did you listen ago. to their director of development? Yeah. What's the guy's name? Vanderbilt doesn't know Jeff, what they're walking into. Jeff Reinebold said, "Yes, Vanderbilt has no idea what they're getting into." Which, if you're going to criticize ninety five hundred, that sound like ninety five thousand. If you're going to criticize Vanderbilt, there's so many things you could hit. The exponential crown. Handling adversity is not one of them, or facing <laughs> adversity. Like that's that's not where I'm getting. If I'm going to go after Vanderbilt, I'm not going to say you have no idea what adversity looks like at Vanderbilt football. I mean, come on. Um, Hawaii on their depth chart, they have three quarterbacks listed. Slashes. Or yeah, yeah. the word or next to all names. So it's Braden Sh- Brandon or Braden Shager, Joey Yellen, and Cameron Cooper. Shagor. It ends in or. You sure that's not the starter? And it's like Anton Shagor <laughs> from No Country for Old Men. Shager or Joey Yellen Javier or Bardem's character. Cameron Cooper. How about a three-way rotation? That'd be my favorite. I love teams that play multiple quarterbacks. They also have that listed at nose tackle, linebacker, nickelback, it's an indecisive cornerback, team. and wide receiver, running back, <laughs> tight end. Come on. At least they know they're starting Pick offensive somebody. line. At least they have a starting offensive lineman listed. Well, that's what they mean by you have no idea what you're getting into. Because <laughs> we don't either. We, we, could, we might start nine offensive linemen in this game, guys. We have no idea. Nine offensive linemen, quarterback, running back. Somebody that's will be, the be eligible for something. Yep. Yeah, a big game for, for Vandy because it, it's Hawaii and then Elon back-to-back. The over-under win total in Vegas is two and a half. So if you're taking the over, they need to start two and oh. Yeah. Northern um, Illinois is the other one. Another game that actually interests me now that I've read a little bit about it is Nevada and New Mexico State. Jerry Kill is the new head coach, New Mexico State. And I think it's like a nine and a half, ten and a half point line. But New Mexico State's been one of the worst programs in FBS for the last five to ten years. But there's some reason for optimism. Jay Norvell, the head coach of Nevada, left for Colorado State this past offseason. So that's one to watch. My fifth thing to watch this weekend is UConn at Utah State. Jim Mora Jr. is returning to coaching. Oh, yeah, that's right. Former Falcons, Seahawks head coach, UCLA head coach, is now at UConn. And while I don't like Jim Mora Jr. and find him to be a complete jerk. You love him at UConn. With his demeanor, I don't. But he said some really interesting things about the UConn program. Like things that I would never think about with their potential. So he's been very thoughtful in taking this job and his approach to it. Um, it, it, When he laid out his plan and talked in interviews about why he took this job and the potential he saw in it, I don't know that I buy it. I don't know they're going to reach that potential, but at least he thought a lot about it. He's not insane. Before doing it. He may be insane, but that may be what UConn football needs, a little bit of insanity. Uh, he's definitely a jerk, and they probably need some of that too. UConn at Utah State. That's at 4 o'clock Eastern time on ESPN2. Um, another wormhole I found myself going down while writing this column, the pictures of Utah State's campus. Terrific. Beautiful. I just started looking at Google Images of Logan, Utah, and Utah Is State's it campus. Is than BYU? Because we've been there. It's not, but it's very similar. It's got a mountain range just outside the end zone. 
there's a lot of parks in the town around campus. There's a couple really old buildings in the middle of campus. They have some snow shots of that building on, on campus. Yeah. Really pretty. We have uh, two preseason games tonight. Packers and Chiefs. That is a NFL Network game. And 49ers-Texans, I believe. Is this the first Amazon broadcast? Yes. I mean, it's their, their test run yeah. for, for what's going on. At the Amazon Prime broadcast, uh, 49ers-Texans tonight at uh, 7.15 Central. So That first one, Packers-Chiefs, I mean, I just hate hearing that. I mean, that's such a tantalizing matchup if it actually yeah. included yeah. people. Well, I mean, Mahomes will play, it looks like. Yeah, well. He's played it in the other two. If you don't give me Rodgers on the other side of it, then it doesn't mean much. Can someone out there, one of our viewers or listeners, and, and follow us on Twitter at Outkick360, can someone do this homework assignment for us and try to live bet the Amazon game tonight and see how far off the latency issues are for it? What's the, what's the – Todd Furman said it could be up to, what, 45 seconds? Could be. Difference Based in some of these games? Speed. He said even like direct TV games or cable games can be 15 to 25 to 30. This could be up to 45 seconds to a minute. I'd like to know what that looks like from a, from a live gambling perspective. Again, this would take someone live betting a preseason game, but that's, that's the homework assignment. Well, we have some, some addicts this in is one our of my, audience. This is one of my complaints, uh, former primary complaints about America's Funniest Videos now. Assignment America. They set up the funny videos. Yeah. Here, do this Film funny this. prank, and then we'll take the funniest one and put it on air. Darren Ravel um, has put out the top NFL games in demand on StubHub for prices. Right now, the top game based on price, Buccaneers-Cowboys week one. Bucks at Cowboys. That ticket price is number one currently. Uh, just to get in the door. Followed by Bills-Rams, which opens the season on Thursday night football. That's a hell of a game. Chiefs at Bucks uh, in, in, to open the uh, second quarter of the season, if you want to call it that, uh, October 2nd. Cowboys at Packers. Packers at Bucks. Bears at Packers. Bears at Cowboys. 49ers, Raiders, and Broncos, Seahawks. Broncos at Seahawks. That's the first Monday night football game of the season. And that is Russell Wilson's return to Seattle. Chicago fans still traveling despite their team being they're, ev they're everywhere. Here's what surprised me about a game in Dallas with the Cowboys being the top one in terms of ticket demand. It's an enormous stadium. Yeah. There's a lot yeah. of tickets to be had. Dallas is not tops in my list of vacation destinations for people traveling out of town to go to a game in Dallas. So that just shows you the demand of Cowboys fans for their one of their biggest games. Well, I think right? too, Chad. Some because people, other places, it's like, oh, we're going to go to Vegas or we're going to go to L.A. Right. or Nashville or places people are visiting for vacation. I think for some people, they say, I want to see a game at Jerry World. Like it's a, bu a bucket list, maybe stadium. Well, and Brady. I think Brady is the reason. Oh, for sure. The yeah. Brady's Andy, a big Brady. reason, but I still think maybe it's a ton of Bucks fans going out there trying to buy tickets too, but I don't see that. It, it's just, I, I don't know. It's not, Dallas is not a destination. To I, I agree with that. But the stadium is kind of a destination place. Um, Particularly before SoFi, like yes. you know, and and Allegiant, 
um, you know, it's 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 a palatial place that's that some people would consider worth the trip on its own. Pete Carroll says that Drew Locke is going to get significant playing time tomorrow. And he should because the COVID. I don't remember how much he played in the first game, but he missed the second game, which was supposed to be yeah. his start. Yeah, and a part of his his five days out, um, he's back. He's going to play at least three quarters. That's what Carroll's saying. You think they're basing that off of the final preseason performance? Or do you? I think that gets it done. Or or are they going to sort of rotate guys? Well, there has been some talk of them playing two guys, which is a nightmare, yeah. childlike scenario. <laughs> no, I just yeah. I, I, I don't. It's weird because the decision to start Geno Smith and play him a series, and then have Drew Locke play the majority of the rest of the game. You've named your starting quarterback. It's Geno sure Smith. Feels like it. yeah. But then the comments from Pete Carroll after announcing that is, well, we know we got two two and a half more weeks of practice and. We're going to split them up evenly in practice, and I'm just thinking, no, you're not. All indications have been You've made Gino your decision. Yeah. All, all indications. So I don't know why, um, you know, to, to putter around. We're talking about a college program that's been hesitant to name it. It's, it's starting quarterback. It's so close to opening day. I mean, there's no reason. Um, you know, you're, you're in game prep mode next week. Tuesday's cut day. You've got Wednesday, Thursday. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you're probably cutting before practice Tuesday. You got Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, get a head start. Then I think it's mandated time off for a long weekend. And before you know it, you're back for a real prep week. Doesn't make much sense to draw your quarterback thing out for those three days. So there is a a, a ton, a list is long for the Giants' injuries. One of their emerging wide receivers is headed to injured reserve. And they did get some good news. Aziz Ojolari, who left practice early with a lower body injury, he underwent an MRI and is expected to be okay. Now, he's only been practicing, I believe, for maybe a week and a half, two weeks because of the hamstring issue that he had going into camp. Um, so there is a little bit of light for the Giants who are, I mean, their, their injury list yeah. is insane. They got some dented pass rushers. Uh, coming up, more thoughts on the Rams and Bengals incident today with Aaron Donald uh, slinging a helmet at one of his opponents in a melee that broke out, uh, one of several, but only this is the only video we have, where Aaron Donald rips off a helmet of a Bengals player, and you can watch him sling the helmet into the, the pile um, and connects with something, because you can hear it on the video. We'll discuss that, get some reaction to it. We'll also give notes from across the NFL and uh, the joint practices that have been going on, get ready for the weekend of preseason games. Some notes on the Titans and Cardinals as well. That's next on Now Kick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix.
Colts owner Jim Ursay has tweeted out. Something about Carson Wentz. Hype, yeah. I, I'm sure he... <laughs> that's probably the next tweet. Is it an acoustic performance of some sort? Yeah, singing into a mirror. Starting quarterbacks for Saturday night, Matt Ryan and Tom Brady. Hyping up the Colts and Bucks at Saturday's preseason game. Jim Ursay's ready. Yeah, he's finally off the Carson Wentz train. <laughs> but he, he probably views that as like a dig at Wentz. Could have been you, Carson. Is he a good owner? I feel like the Colts are always that talked a, about as a well-run organization. There's not, it's not a clown show. No, and he, with Indy, he does. I mean, I guess. I, I mean, I would say yes in the respect, Paul, that he has patience, cares, for, and he doesn't meddle. But how many owners meddle anymore? Not yeah, not. But many. he said a lot. <laughs> After that yeah, last, but, uh, the yeah. way it ended, I mean, I, the the owners that don't meddle just don't speak during disappointing times. They just go away. He said a lot. I I, I hesitate to say he's a great owner um, because he's so odd. Yeah, he's just. Centric. But that doesn't affect like a lot of them are the, centric. That don't that doesn't affect the the company the that is the product that is in the Indianapolis Colts. It's a good stadium. It's well financed. Uh, his people are left alone to do their job. They don't have the greatest facility unless they've done some serious Their updating. facility, I was going to get into that. I watched the episode three of Hard Knocks yeah. and the Lions practice there. Their facility is really cool. And Dan Campbell was uh, walking around and, and you know shows him and Frank Reich talking before practice. And he says, this is really nice here. But, Paul, and you may remember this covering them, they have like a blue brick road through the woods to get to practice. So – they, the Lions would dress one area, and it showed them walking this really scenic path that is Colts blue all the way to the practice hmm. field through the woods. And it showed them walking to practice that way every time. Well, it was different. I, mean, I looked yeah. at it and thought it was cool. The Packers riding on bikes, you know, but watching them walk on that path was pretty neat. Speaking of owners That's and good owners, time. bad owners, whatever, I, I was just thinking about where I would rate Ursa, and he's probably right in the middle if we did our ranking. Uh, I was surprised – that if the if the Cardinals if they wanted to just cancel the work so they didn't practice today together right the Cardinals practiced at Vanderbilt correct and with the Titans they were they so were here I, I was asking around about this and I I assume this was the answer but I didn't know for sure whenever you're doing a joint practice the visiting team pays their own way completely I didn't know if like the host team helps out with some of the you know. Uh, yeah, like the uh, bill in college football, you'd pay the visiting team to come play you. Yeah, right. So would they? It's, they put that's not of the, the case. Bill. It's just simply based off the preseason schedule, which is obvious. But the Cardinals didn't want to practice today. They barely they they switched up the practice schedule yesterday a it bit. It was like a half. Practice. And I realize it takes two teams to agree to this. But why would you? Why would you like move spend your camp, that much money? Spend on yeah, fl on flights and hotels and I mean it's a. It's a much longer road trip, and for the Bidwells to spend that money, that's why I was surprised. Well, I think circumstances changed in terms of uh, injuries and um, desire. Uh, I, I think that, you know, had they been able to cancel and undo their flight plans and their hotel yeah. plans, they probably would have. It's just too logistically impossible. What happened? I wonder how much it costs to rent Vanderbilt's facilities to practice. I'm not sure. Is it a, that might be a goodwill thing. Brady, it may be a goodwill a, thing with an NFL team, if you're Vanderbilt football, to have them on your grounds. But I don't 
think so. I feel like they'd have to pay something. Well, I would have thought, you know, the Titans would have offered them their facility at a different hour. You know, you can you practice. Here's yeah. when we're practicing. You can have the, the fields at a different time. I would have thought you just practice together because it's a joint practice week for you. Yeah. You know, like our coach is that paranoid though that they wouldn't do that where it's we're going to go on your field with all your camera equipment right everywhere yeah. around and have our own private practice just at a different time and they just want to get away for that reason. I don't maybe. I mean, they're not playing this season which right. is part of why you're scheduled in the preseason. I mean, Rich Rodriguez gets mad when people come to the open spring game at Jacksonville State and film <laughs> Coaches for Stephen yeah, F. Austin. There may be something to that, though, Chad. Um, final thoughts as we wrap up on the Aaron Donald. Last year, it's three years swinging away. the helmets. Um, it, it is. It's it's up to the teams to discipline whatever happens at practice. They're not going to suspend him. They're going to fine him, and that's it, right? Like that's what we expect. McVeigh is right there. I don't think we'll know anything about what McVay happens to him. McVeigh comes in screaming and cancels practice. I fully expect that Sean McVeigh when pressed on this, we'll say it's an internal matter that we'll deal with internally. If he says that much. Aaron Donald is saying, you know, I'm, I'm good through the 2023 season, then we'll reevaluate. And um, I think Andrew Wentworth said, I, I, I would not be surprised. The quote was, wouldn't surprise me if Sean McVay retires in 30 years or three. With him, well, who knows? Aaron like, whatever said, he's done with it, he's going to be done with Donald's it. Donald's done if McVay's done. That's yeah. what Donald has said too. Yeah, but I'm just the uncertainty of both those guys. You know, I think after a short period of time, I don't know. I, I they got to find him at the very least. Yeah. Uh, enjoyed the show. Hope you'll join us tomorrow as we get you ready for the weekend. Bobby Carpenter will join us, and Brent Hobbs and Austin Price from VolQuest as we get into game week for college football. Join us for Outkick 360. I implore you, don't block the box, but please, please lock your locks. See ya!